0: So tonight, we're going to be talking about a subject we probably all have heard, preached, have heard, talked about, and it's something that we deal with on a daily basis. It's something that we deal with even on a weekly basis. It's something we deal with on a possible hourly basis. It's about faith. We're going to talk about faith tonight. So the goal tonight in this session is to unlock our fullest measure of of faith. Each person in this room has a different measure of faith. And it's upon each person to tap into the deepest potential of our measure of faith. I'm going to ask this question tonight. If there was a history book written about each of us, and if we were able to see what was written about us, would the words written be that that proclaimed we were men and women? That had great faith? Or would it tell a different story entirely? Just a little something to think about tonight. Faith. Faith. We hear it preached so often about faith. But it's something that we need. Does anyone here want to please the Lord? Does anyone want to be pleasing to the Lord? We are able to be interested in pleasing God more than pleasing anyone else, that should be our total focus. Is to be more interested in pleasing the Lord than pleasing anybody else. That includes our spouses, our family, friends, co-workers, peers, even society as a whole, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We are to be pleasing to the Lord, and the only way that we can do that is with our scripture that we we need to memorize in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so, to be pleasing to the Lord takes faith. He sees our faith. He's encouraged by our faith. In our introduction, besides our salvation, which is a result of our faith, there are numerous other benefits to believing the promises of God. Hebrews 10.35 says we are not to cast away our confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. If we will keep the same faith that brought us our salvation, we can accomplish great things with it. You see, just 30 minutes away from us, if you go down Route 77, is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is where players are known for what they accomplished on the football field on statistics of what they've achieved over time, and also for the wins that they've had. You see, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is called the Hall of Faith. In it, we find accounts of great men and women who demonstrated their faith in God. We find that their faith affected their life's challenges and lifestyles. Verse 6 of the 11th chapter says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. Faith is not a magical ingredient which will grant your every wish, but it is your response to God, evidenced by action on your part, which moves God to action on your behalf. So our first line is source of faith. Source of faith. How is the seed of faith planted in our hearts? Romans 10.17 says, So then faith cometh by... Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we can gain a source of faith by hearing the word of God. And there's two means by which we get the word of God in our hearts. And we look to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So the second part of that is by a preacher. We need a preacher in our lives. We need a pastor in our lives. I know as a a young person in the youth group, I had some battles and some things and challenges that I faced. But there were times that I had a pastor that would preach exactly what I needed to hear. Even, to, even today, there might be something I'm facing in my life that I needed to hear what the man of God is saying into my life. What the man of God is preaching. I needed that encouragement. I needed my faith to grow through some things. We want our faith to take root. And if you've ever seen a tree with deep roots when storms come and the winds blow and other things around them are tossed and carried away, but that tree that has those deep roots... It can withstand the turbulence of the storm. And so we want our faith to have deep roots. We want our faith to be rooted and we want to grow in God. And we want our faith to grow because when storms of life happen, because they happen to everybody, because the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust, we're going to face some storms. But if our roots are deep in God and we have our faith rooted deep in God, that no matter what storm we face, we can withstand it we can withstand the turbulence of the storm. You see, these come by hearing God's Word and by the preacher in our lives. Psalms 1, 1 through 1-6 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree So meditating on the Word of God, as we read in the second verse, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditating upon the Word of God. God wants the Word to begin to bloom and cultivate within us. This is done through the meditating of the Word of God. Have you ever been reading a scripture? And it may be one that you've read over and over and over in your life, and you've maybe done the bread chart and you like, no, I know I've read this verse, but all of a sudden you start meditating upon that verse or upon that particular section of verses. And all of a sudden something from the word of God just comes out and it speaks right to where you're at, at that time. And you can just say, God, thank you. Cause that, that word of God just gave me faith. It just encouraged my faith that I know I may be going through something, but I, I now feel encouraged because now I have faith to make it through this trial that I'm facing. Our roots shall be planted by the rivers that provide everything that we need to grow. Just as a tree planted by a river is given the right conditions for good, healthy growth, such is our faith. We must root our faith in the proper environment and place ourselves in an atmosphere where we can take in by meditating on God's Word, and we will see the fruit produced in our life. You will see the fruit produced in your life. Case in point, if we surround ourselves with negative non-believing folks, we we will stifle our faith. However, if we surround ourselves with positive, full-of-faith Christians, it will produce growth. You will feel encouraged, because I believe that faith produces faith. I believe that faith produces faith. Habakkuk built a tower of faith. If you read the book of Habakkuk, he built a tower of faith. Well, a tower of faith isn't one level, and that's it. One one level of blocks of faith, that's not going to build a tower, but it's a continual growth that builds a tower. And so our faith will produce faith. It was a continual growth that Habakkuk was seeing, which is our faith. As it grows, just like that tower grows, our faith will begin to grow. And we'll be able to withstand some of the attacks of the enemy. Does anyone believe that your faith can take action? Do you believe that you can put action to your faith? I believe that. Does anybody in here believe that your faith can produce an action? Have you ever seen in a service where you see the presence of God dealing with somebody and they're at their at their pew and maybe it's just they just need to step out just a little bit and you just know God's really dealing with them. But they may just be having their head down. They may have tears start welling up in their eyes, maybe roll down their cheek. But you'll see them just start lifting the hand and all of a sudden that little bit of faith just sparks something and they they just begin to get blessed by the spirit of God. It just takes a little bit of faith. But it takes action. James 2, 17-22 Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. Faith without works is dead. You can say to your blue in the face, I have faith. But if you have no action behind it, it's just speaking. It's just your mouth moving. But there needs to be some action behind our faith. Our faith is made perfect. In verse 22, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Faith was made perfect. You see, there was a time where Drake, my son, was battling seizures as an infant. He was only about a month and a half old when he began to deal with having seizures. And these seizures, his his head would turn. His head would turn like this and just lock. And his whole, his one side of his body would just go stiff. He wouldn't be able to move. And it would last for. Sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes a minute, minute and a half. And it, 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 there was a few that really made my wife and I a little nervous. Like, what's going on? So we had seen a neurologist. We had seen a, our doctor, or his doctor. He advised us to see a neurologist. The neurologist said, well, we want to do some testing. We want to see some, some what's going on in his brain that's causing this. And so... We didn't have any certainty as to what would take place. And we, we set up an appointment for him to be up at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital for, I believe it was, is it three nights and four days? Something like that. Three nights and four days. And so my wife was up there with him. And um, before we took him in there, it was, we took him in there, I believe, on a Monday. And I remember that Sunday night after church, we... My wife and I took him into pastor's office, and we began to pray. We began to pray that that this would never happen again. That they would they would find nothing. Nothing would be wrong. He would just be healed of this. We were we were nervous parents about this because we didn't understand what was happening, what was taking place in his body. So we just wanted to pray that God would be with him and that God would just heal him. Well, he went up there for these tests, and I. Brought Quentin up to see mommy and his little new baby brother. And we were up there, and I asked Crystal, are they are they seeing anything? She's like, no, there's nothing. They're not saying anything. They're not really seeing anything. Everything seems to be normal. So that was encouraging, but at the same time, it's like, mmm, this might not work out very well if he's still having this problem. Well, he gets home four days later and you know what? We believed God would heal him, and we had, had pastor anoint him, and we prayed over him. But when he got home, he never had another seizure ever again. And so we believed God touched his body, but it, we had to put action to our faith. We couldn't just say, yeah, God can heal him. God, God can heal him. But no, we took him into the office. We laid our hands upon him, and there was action there behind it. And we, we know that God touched his body. Back to our notes, How did Noah demonstrate his faith in Hebrews 11:7? By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an art to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So what did Noah do? What's that? I can't hear you, everybody. What was that? Build an ark? Okay, build an ark. He built an ark. And I remember Brother David might appreciate this. I was preaching one time and said he had a boatload of work to do. but Which he did. He had a boatload of work to do. But So how did Noah demonstrate his faith? He built an ark. Noah built the ark for a rain... That had never existed. Rain had never existed before. Our faith sometimes will cause you to believe on the impossible. In order to see the manifestation of the possible. I'll say that again. Our faith sometimes will cause you to believe on the impossible. In order to see the manifestation of the possible. 11.5.18 and 19 says, And behold... Men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went up to the housetop and let him down through the tilling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So what did his friends do? What did his friends do for the man with the palsy. They showed their faith by what? Climbing up the house, opening up the roof, and letting him down to Jesus. The faith of your brother or sister could make all the difference. You might be at your weakest point. You might be at your lowest point. But you might have a brother that might come up to you, Brother Josh, and say, you know what? I'm going to pray with you about this. I don't know what you might be going through, but I'm going to pray. And they may not even know, but their faith might encourage you enough to get your miracle and to get what you need. It might be you, Sister Heidi, where a sister comes up and says, I just want to bind together with you and pray. And you might be going through something they may not know, but they may just have enough faith where two or three are agreeing and God moves in and intervenes in the situation. So it might be your brother or sister that might take up the stand in the gap for you unknowingly. But it's their faith that opens the door for your miracle. Because the centurion, we could talk about him. The centurion understood authority. He received a miracle for, for his servant. So what it says in Matthew 8.8 8, that showed his faith. He simply said these words, Lord, just speak the word. Just speak the word. Because I understand authority. I understand when I tell a soldier to go to the east, he goes to the east. I understand authority. And if you just speak the Word, I know the miracle's going to take place. If we understood authority like the centurion, then all it takes is the Lord to speak into whatever it is you need. If you need healing in your body, you could just say, God, I just need you to speak against this sickness attacking my body. If you need a financial blessing, you can say, God, I just need you to speak into my life. And God, you will provide a way. You will make a way where there may seem to be no way. You can make a way. You see, the authority of God speaking is shown all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 1. God spoke and things became from nothing to something. Faith in God... Faith in a God who can speak to nothing and produce something. We have a God that can take nothing and produce something out of it. Do you believe that tonight? That we serve a God that has the power and the authority to shift things and to change things and to mend things. What are two two conditions for receiving an answer to our prayers? I'm glad you asked. Mark 11.23 For verily I say unto you that whatsoever ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. And he shall have whatsoever he saith. So what are the two things that you need? You need to believe and don't doubt. You need to believe and not doubt and you need faith and trust those are the those are the ingredients you need to believe not doubt have faith and trust so there was a moment in my wife and I's marriage after we had
1: both kids
0: i believe but this was a Very interesting summer. Early in the spring, I made a awful, to be kind, purchase on a vehicle. I purchased what's called a lemon. This lemon was a thorn in my side. But later on into the early summer, not only did I have this lemon that I had zero trust in to even start, let alone drive anywhere, which was not a fun time but also on a sunday night i get ready to get going to church and my wife was staying home i believe one of the kids was not feeling well so she was staying home with them and i had one of the kids with me and i start the suv up in the driveway and all i hear is bah, 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 bah. and it sounds like a gunshot going off and i'm like what in the world's going on here And so I I drove it to church with it making that sound. Drove it home. My wife takes it over to the auto repairman that we go to. And the mechanic says, "Uh, that's not good. I can't do anything with that. You're going to need to take that to a dealership. So we take it to the dealership. Wouldn't you know it that our warranty was 7,000 miles over the warranty? Of course it was, right? However, we had taken it in for its regular oil change. Everything had always come back good. Zero issues. So they said, well, here's what we can do. We can write what's called a Goodwill report. And we're like, okay, what's that mean? I've never heard of that. I don't know what that means. So they write this report and it basically gives all the facts about this vehicle to mechanics and Hyundai all together. And they, they over, over look our case. Well, come to find out the error was on them. And they said, well, here's what we're gonna do. Because if you were to pay for this, the engine alone is $5,000. And we went, yeah, that's not happening. And that didn't include the labor but they sent this good report in and they said, they called me one day and they said, Mr. LaVar, I wanna talk to you about your case. I said, okay. I said, what's going on? They said, well, we wanna let you know that the engine is being paid for. You will not have to pay for the engine. I was like, "Whoo!" well, that's a relief. Then they said, well, that's not it. Not only are we paying for the engine, we're paying for the labor. I'm like, whew. Awesome, possum. Awesome. Then they said, well, that's not all. We're going to go ahead and cover your entire rental coverage the entire summer all the way up until this is fixed. We're covering it all. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> I was flabbergasted. I was like stunned. But this was something my wife and I had battled together. And we had been praying, God, you've got to make a way. This is out of our control. There's nothing we can do about this situation. But we're just going to trust you. We're just going to believe that, God, you're going to make a way. We don't know how you're going to do it. We don't, we don't have the answer for it. We just know who we can call upon and who we can lean upon through this test that we're going through. It is an uncertainty that we must lean and trust on the Lord who is certain. It's in uncertainty that we must lean and trust in the Lord, who is certain. Matthew six twenty-five through thirty-three. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Hmm. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But this is the point. But seek ye first. Above everything else, above everything else you may desire, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things shall be added unto you. You see, this tells us about God's care for His creation. What assurance do these verses give us that our needs will be met? He will supply all our needs. He will supply all of our needs. God provides for each and every one of us every day. If you have breath in your lungs, He provided that breath for your lungs. If you have food in your stomach, sorry for those that may be fasting today. But if you have food in your stomach or you have food in your cupboards, God made a way for you to get that. God made a way for you if you have a home, if you have a place that you live. God provided for you. I know just recently, my wife and I, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We, we sold our house three years ago. I'll, I'll back up. We, three years ago, my wife and I were praying about what to do. We didn't know what to do. Should we sell our house? Should we stay there? What, what should we do? And the Lord told, spoke, to, spoke to us and was saying, in 2021, sell your house. We had no idea. We had no clue. We were just like, okay, we're just going to trust you, Lord. We don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. This is three years before we heard God say, sell your house in 2021. And we stuck to it. My sister works for a title company. She's like, you got to sell your house. You got to sell your house. It's like, we're like, it's not time. We don't feel it's time to sell our house yet. She's like, you got to sell your house. You got to sell your house. I'm like, Tiffany, enough's enough. 2021, the spring of 2021 is when we were told by God to sell our house. She's like, okay, I'm telling you right now is a great time to sell. I'm like, I know, I know, but we're just going to trust God. We don't know how it's all going to work out, but we're going to trust God. So we trusted God, put our house up. 2021, two days later, it's sold. (laughs) We're like, oh boy, now what do we do? But we moved into an apartment. We were there for about a year and, and we finally found a house. But the amazing thing about this house was we were not the highest bid on this house. We were not the highest. There were multiple bids that were higher than ours. But God gave us favor because He had a plan. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He placed us right where He wants us. We didn't go looking for... We're only going to live in this little spot or this little... We just said, God, we're going to trust You where You want us to be. And so God provided for us. Not only did did they not take the highest bid, there were multiple bids higher than ours, but the entire process of, of the sale... We had zero hiccups along the way. Not a single one. We had peace through the entire process. We didn't know how all this stuff was going to work out. You know how crazy things can happen, but we had peace that God was going to just work everything out if there were any. But there was none. Not only was it a timing thing with God, but it was a God's provision and blessing because we, we decided three years ago... And, even when we first got married, that God was going to be first in our lives. We were going to seek first the kingdom of God in everything that he had for us. Whatever sacrifices he wanted us to make, we were going to be dedicated to seeking God first. And in time, he provided in his way. And he's placed us right where he wants us. We believed it was because God will provide to those who put him first. We believe God will provide. Romans chapter 4 verse 19 through 21 tells us that Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God, but was fully persuaded that he would perform it. As a result of his unwavering confidence, he received the promised son, Isaac. What will you need after you've done the will of God and have not yet received the promise? Patience. 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 One of the hardest things to do is to be patient. It is to be patient. Can I get a witness? Oh, patience. That's why the Bible says patience is a virtue. Boy, is it ever. Is it ever. Waiting. But patience. Abraham, father of the faithful. Galatians three seven waited patiently before he received the promise. Patience. First Peter chapter one, verse seven through nine, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. This tells us that our faith is much more precious than gold. And though it is severely tested, It will bring praise and honor and glory when the Lord returns. Just because you're tested doesn't mean it's not without purpose. Just because you are tested does not mean it's not without purpose. There is purpose before, during, and after the tests we face. Even before the test hits, there's a purpose. Even during the test, there's a purpose. And even after the test, there is still the purpose. Your tests don't come without a grade. Your tests, the tests that you go through, they don't come without a grade. However, you're not going to get an A, B, C, D, or F. It's a simple pass or fail. You're either going to pass the test or you're going to fail The test. If you want to jot that one down in your notes, it's either a pass or a fail when you're tested. What will the shield of faith protect us from? We know that that's part of the armor of God, but what does the shield of faith protect us from? Does anybody have any ideas? Sister Roxanne? The fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith. The shield is one of two parts of the armor that is extended from the body. And it has the agility to protect both high and low to the left or to the right. It has agility. If your mind of salva- or salvation is under attack, the shield can quench that dart before it even gets there. If your piece or your feel- feet are attacked or under attack, the shield can reach down and deflect those darts. If your righteousness is under, under attack, you can stretch out that shield of faith before it even gets close to the bottom. Whatever direction that the enemy would like to shoot those arrows at you, those fiery darts at you, you can have faith to deflect those. You can extend that shield of faith to deflect those fiery darts. Philippians 1.6 tells us that God has begun a good work in our lives. And since He has begun it, what else will He do? He will perform and He will finish it. He will finish it. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. This means that even though we can't see the future, we will continue to believe that God is in control of our future. Hindrances to faith. What are some hindrances to faith? James 1.5-8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what is the result of our wavering or uncertainty? Anybody? Anybody? No? It keeps us from getting what we ask. It keeps us from getting what we ask. Peter's faith in Jesus allowed him to do what? Anybody know? Walk on the water. But what what happened? He, He had to do what? Step out of the boat. He had to take a first step. And he took that step out of the boat. But after a few steps, he began to sink. Why? He got his eyes off the Lord. He began to fear. What was he fearing? The storms, the winds, the waves? He got distracted. He got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the storm. There's a direct correlation between faith and the miraculous, as well as a correlation between fear and doubt. Since our thoughts can have a strong influence on our faith, 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to do with our imaginations and thoughts. We're to cast them down and bring them into captivity. Our minds can play tricks on us. Our minds can play tricks on us. Our minds can deceive us to thinking something that maybe is not. Our minds can be one thing that can cause doubt to interfere with our faith. We need to pray over our minds in thoughts, that they would be without hindrance, but would be full of confidence in God. We battle this on a daily basis. Our minds are a playground sometimes for the enemy. They can become that. But we've got we've to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God will boost my faith. That though I may be battling some things, I may be under attack from some things, but I'm going to have a confidence that God's got my back. I have a confidence that I have the Word of God, that I can use the Word of God as a weapon. I can use my faith in His Word, and He's got my back. As for our summary tonight, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. This means that through faith, you can say, I have what I prayed, I prayed for, even though I can't see it yet. This is because your faith is in a God who spoke the world into existence and not in your ability or power. Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Him that believeth. This means taking a risk. Step out in faith and trust him completely in every area of your life. You shouldn't put Blockades on things that you could step out in faith in, regardless of what it is. If sickness hits your body, I still have faith God's a healer. If your finances are under attack, I still believe God's my provider. If your family's under, the, under attack, God is my shepherd. He's going to keep you. If it's your mind is under attack, God, you are my peace speaker to my mind. We are to have faith in God. In closing tonight, when we know how to get faith, or increase our faith, then we can use our faith in every test of life. Then we can activate our faith in God and believe for the miraculous. Tonight, if we could all stand as we, as we come to this closing. I, we've, we've heard some things about faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We've gained some knowledge about faith. But one of the most powerful things we can do is activate our faith. And so tonight, if maybe you're going through something, or maybe you just need a boost of your faith. You just need a little bit more faith to overcome. Or maybe you just are, your faith's been challenged recently. We're going to pray tonight and we're going to release faith in this house that God would restore faith, that God would allow our faith to elevate, and that it would grow. Amen. Lord Jesus, we call upon you right now, knowing that you are a God that. Hears. You are a God that answers prayer. You are a God that sees our faith, Lord God, but we want to activate our faith tonight. We put our trust in you. We lean not to our own understanding, but God, we're trusting you. We're believing that you're going to do the miraculous. We're believing God that you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. We're believing God that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we may ask or think. And we thank You, God, that we can put our trust in You in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we want to stretch forth our hands reaching out to You, Abba Father. We want to stretch forth our hands to You, God, knowing that You are our source. Knowing that You are our source, God, that we can put our faith in You and we can put our trust in You And that you are able to exceed even the need in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen.